So anyway, yeah, that's all I got for you guys. And th thank you guys so much. And I'll put money in the bucket. I may not be white, but I have an attic, you guys. <laughs> All right. That brings us to the end of our open mic. Thank you guys for staying until the end. Very, very impressed. Thank you. All right. Have a very funny weekend. Bye. Holy crap. Thanks for hanging out during the things and the stuff. I know that there's a, there's a thing happening right now with the... I just left the game, and the Warriors are up by a very fine margin. It's going to be very difficult. Thank you all for being here. We're going to look at things. It's going to be difficult. We're going to play something, I guess, on the hangout. Hope that people show up. Who knows? I know he left the game. But play something cool. DJ123. I'm a walking nightmare. That's a little to do. I kill conversation as I walk into the room. I'm a tree line whip. I'm a solar finger band. I'm a walking disaster boy. I feel the chair and the bomb is ticking This situation is not a real big deal You said that this was a big plan Don't mess around with the demolition man I'm a walking nightmare That's another dude Conversation as I walk into the room. I'm a tree line whip. I'm a sort of thing that band. I'm a walking disaster boy. As we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice. Hey, everybody listening on Mutiny Radio Waves, if you subscribe to Pam Tess's Comedy Clubhouse, thank you so much for doing that. We're going to be just playing weird shit for a while until we find out we've got people coming and stuff, but the game is happening. Oh, my God. So, um, but just hold fast or forward through this podcast to the part where there will be people talking. Okay, bye. Yay. Every Friday from noon to 2 p.m., this is an unapologetically anti-capitalist program. We interview community organizers, 
activists and artists. We talk about ways you can take action right now. So listen in to the weekly review every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. brings you visual and auditory mind control. For the best graphic design, physical merchandise, and live music promotion, go to www.subliminalsf.com and check out their hilarious t-shirts and super cool bands at clubs and bars all over the Bay Area. Subliminal SF creates amazing flyers, posters, and design for every need. So go now to www.subliminalsf.com and experience what this wonderful local business has to offer. Good evening there, my friends, here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's Underground Comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere five dollars every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because five dollars, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere five dollars is indubitative. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcasts.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? <laughs> it's a cash car, honey. <laughs>
Hey, ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to invite you down to Bender's Bar and Grill in the heart of the Mission District in San Francisco at 806 South Van Ness. Uh, we've got great food by our kitchen counter offer, burgers, tater tots, tachos, corn dogs, all sorts of good stuff like that. They're open from opening until 11 p.m. most days of the week, except Saturday. Every Saturday night, we've got live rock and roll, some of the best local bands in San Francisco, and touring acts as well. Come on down, 10 p.m., rock and roll, only night of the week. We have a $5 cover charge, always 5 bucks for live rock and roll. We're open from 4 p.m. until 2 a.m., Monday through Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 2 to 2. Come on down, have some drinks with us. We've got Whiskey Wednesday, Tequila Tuesday, and we've always got the Steve McQueen special. Shot a bullet bourbon and a can of California lager for 8 bucks. Come down and enjoy our patio. It's open uh, in the afternoon, not really in the evening, but a lot of good folks hanging out back there. Come on down, give us a shout. Drop by the bar, make some friends. Thanks, folks. Bender's Bar and Grill in the heart of the Mission District, San Francisco, California. With a happy hour every Monday through Friday until 7 p.m. Don't miss it. Go to Bender's Bar. Big supporter of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2018. Yeah, it goes down. Come smoke with your boy. Grind up. Spark is San Francisco's premier cannabis dispensary with a focus on serving and educating patients for seven years. Spark is dedicated to creating the best in-store experience with its extensive menu, friendly staff, and one of the few cannabis vape lounges in San Francisco. Spark welcomes you to visit its two great locations as a medical patient or for recreational adult use in 2018. Spark is located at 1256 Mission Street between 8th and 9th and at 473 Haight Street at Fillmore. Both locations are open until 10 p.m. every night. Spark staff looks forward to serving you. Coming at these bitches and all these snitches hitting switches going back. Rainbow Grocery, a worker-owned and operated food cooperative located at 1745 Folsom Street in the Mission District of San Francisco. Let's hear what locals have to say about Rainbow Grocery. Their bulk section is dope AF. I love their, their variety of cheese and home decor items uh, and this of unique items that you can't find anywhere else. Their cheese section is insane. I love Rainbow Grocery because it's the number one grocery store to shop at when you're having a potluck and you need to fulfill everyone's dietary needs. They don't have meat. Rainbow Grocery Cooperative, an amazing San Francisco staple since 1975. For all your space chicken sci-fi comedy non-political humor needs, go to timstesseract.com. Read fiction about the future of San Francisco after the water wars of 2121 in Jane 6. Ask a Jedi for important life hacks. Eat flesh with the bear exoskeleton contessa 
and check your horror horoscope on Horoscopia. Updated every three parsecs. Every three parsecs.com. You guys are listening to Pamdas's Comedy Clubhouse. Meow, 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 meow. hard uh last week at this time i was on stage and i was talking and at that time my cat was dying it was really happening my cat is dead it's very sad but i know it's okay it's okay i speak cat and i've hung out with many cats and i've been in the understanding of Katniss and everything. That's Juwan Rubin. He's on the show tonight. Yeah, he walks in. He knows. He talks to cats when they're dead. He's he's a Baptist minister. Of course he talks to dead cats. So uh, I'm your host tonight, Pam Benjamin. And tonight the whole... Yay, me! Yay! My... It's so hard. I've been having rough times. Like my cat died last Friday, and so I've been feeling like, what is the worst of the universe? Like, she was so great. I don't know if anybody has cats, but he was my best friend. What a fluffy buddy. Uh, anyways, I wrote a story. I this is so the whole point of tonight is it's comedians that have also been published. And we're doing it right now as the Warriors are hopefully winning a game against Cavaliers. Suck at LeBron, and that's cool. And the concept that you two are sitting here, people are inside and not watching LeBron suck it is really amazing. So um, the whole point of tonight is that all of the comedians are also published authors. And so, I'm gonna try to do this. I have a a thing on timstesseract.com and it's called Jane Six. And I'm gonna try, this is hard because I'm an old lady now and I don't have my old lady glasses. So it's going to be like, this is going to be like, can I borrow your old lady glasses? Like, I will totally thank you, Lael Gold. Borrowing Lael Gold's lady glasses to read my own work, which you can do on timstesseract.com. Oh, good stuff. Jane Six opened her eyes to a world with three choices. She existed on the 1,016th floor of the Ten Lawn, but making this choice would make her live. She certainly wouldn't, oh, come on. She certainly wouldn't have the catheter anymore, pulling uterine from her body to break it into its usable components. She'd soon be breathing that sunny yellow as oxygen, and using the trace carbon. Oh, it's so hard to enrich. What came out the back end tube with the right amount of base element to keep them alive before they made the choice. 
Jane Six had to choose. Not choosing one of the three choices meant staying in her pod in the Ten Lawn, a group of ten high-rise towers on the 10,050th floor. But oh, this is so hard to read, you guys. This is really, this is like totally dealing with like the super parts of my internal being to be able to read things in front of myself with Lael Gold's glasses on. Like these are only 0.5 glasses. I think the glasses in my under in my undercarriage are like 1.5. I think that I spent the dollar fifty at Daiso and got the super ones because I'm having a really hard time. Anyways, I I write fucking Warhols here. Yay! <laughs> no, I mean, it's good. No, I was just saying, I like I write things and they're on the internet, but like I can't even read them. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, are the warriors still winning? Like, what can we do? I hope so. What the fuck are we doing with this? Anyway. Did you turn the lights out? No, no, the lights fell off on the universe around 4:30 today. And then God put them back on. Does anybody understand that PG&E is the lords of your whole world? Anybody else like PG&E? We're, so, we're up by so much, we're killing, it's crazy. Oh, that makes me so, suck it, LeBron. Suck it, LeBron! LeBron said he's going to cry, dude. He has a bloody eye right now. Sisyphus, roll that ball up the hill, and then your eye will still be bloody. Poor, poor. A matrix training program yeah, for like LeBron. We're just trying to get him to be the warrior he could be. Okay, so LeBron needs to go to LA because he was the best part of Trainwrecked. Did anyone see that movie? Dude, he should go to movie. He's such a good actor. Really? Like he's a really good actor. So, he, okay. So if you ever want to see the movie Trainwreck, don't watch it. Just watch the last part where Amy Schumer does the dance break with like all of the Lakers cheerleaders. That is amazing. Or or whoever, whatever cheerleaders they were, they were cheerleaders. She danced with the cheerleaders and it was amazing. Okay. My parents aren't proud of me. Anybody else? Anybody else's parents not proud of me? I, right? I have this thing where I'm like, oh my God, Muni Radio is falling apart and you need to give us money. Hey, Dad, you got that weird thing that you send out to all your dudes. Please, would you please send out the thing to your dudes? And he's like, yeah, whatever. And he says, right, oh, send out your thing. And I don't expect anything. And like, maybe you should get a day job. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> like, maybe your, you know, hobby, comedy, maybe you need to get a day job. And I'm like, I am 40. I'm 43. I'm almost 44 years old. I'm a disappointment. It's fine. It's cool. I've been, this is, okay, I'm such a loser. I don't even know when I'm cool. Like, I have two tattoos on my body 
that are like I reappropriated gang and weird culture. Okay, I didn't even know I have to put this. I didn't even know. Okay, so I have a tattoo on my wrist of a semicolon, and yeah, I guess have. I have, I have, I have, I have a tattoo on my wrist of a semicolon, and I didn't know until five years after I got this that this is a symbol of people who've tried to kill themselves. <laughs> I, I reappropriated a symbol accidentally. I just love semicolons. Like, I, all of my work is pregnant with, like, taking two ideas and smushing them together and then they had a semicolon. But then later I found out, oh, no, people that kill themselves can't. And I put it on my wrist. <laughs> I reappropriated the culture. I'm, I'm such a... T- and it's probably a white culture. Like, I'm so white that I reappropriated a white... I reappropriated a suicide white culture. Now, this is even better. My second tattoo that I got, I was 20 years old. And I, at the time, was a theater major at UCSD. So I said, yes, I'm going to get the theater sign on the back of my neck. Smart now, cry later, essay. What? Oh, I didn't even know I had a gang tattoo on my neck. It's on my neck. I'm so white that I didn't know that I'd accidentally reappropriated gang culture. And I have a smile now, cry later, on the back of my neck. Ah! I think it's so funny. So when I was teaching in Oceanside, the kids were like, oh, Benjamin, smile out car later, essay. I'm like, no, no, smile out car later. I'm like, no, if anybody ever keys your car, Benjamin, you know we got your back, essay. Like, dude. I didn't know, I'm a white, I'm a dumb white bitch, and I accidentally got a theater tattoo on the back of my neck. Smile now, cry later, essay. <laughs> so good, so, I had no idea. I had no, it's, it's true. I'm at this place now where we're like, oh, the Warriors are playing a game, and we're like, blah, 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 we're all here, this is cool. Oh my God, they're doing it in four games. I, I feel like Stephen Curry was meant to shoot threes, and I feel like my body was meant to make breast milk, and I haven't done it yet. And I smoke and eat so much weed that I want to pump my breasts. And I want to make th cheese. I want to save the vegans. I care about them, do you know? Like, vegans are real people, too. And they want their milk to be consent-based. 
So what I'm saying is I get all the girls from like UC Berkeley and like fucking, but that's the thing. It's like, oh, we get all the rich girl uh, breast milk, but no, we also get it. I want some fucking Bangladeshi breast milk because yeah. it's going to be fair trade breast milk. It's going to be $15 an ounce. I don't care where it comes from. And if it comes from Bangladesh, it'll probably have like a really great lemongrass flavor. <laughs> like it's going to be, we're going to turn it into cheese. It's going to melt and the vegans will be saved. None of you care about the vegans. That's cool. No, I don't care about the vegans either. Fuck the vegans. They don't want meltable cheese. They don't want meltable cheese. You know what I'm saying? But I can milk my own breast. I've never wanted anything so much more. Like, I've never wanted a small child. I've only wanted them so that I could pump my breast. You know what I mean? Like, I want to birth a baby just so I can make th cheese i really i'm my buddy just sold her breast pump and i was like fuck because i actually was like yeah i want to fucking pump it i want to no okay (laughs) breast milk has 22 percent fat good for it's good for cheese There was one more joke I was supposed to do tonight. I wrote it in a thing and I put it in his stuff. Fuck, I forgot the new joke I was supposed to do. I, talked about I know, no, but it was a thing. Uh, I can't remember. Well, um, we're in a place where we go like, oh, we have people here, so we should fucking do a thing. We should keep, keep it going. Fuck the warriors. <laughs> <laughs> right like you, do you want or do you have a thing on your phone are you looking at it right now uh, no, no, Warhol. we have no Warhol what's the score of the game buddy is it really like the warriors are up so much that we don't even care because he cried himself to sleep what happened what's the score One hundred four to seventy-nine. That is very happy stuff. Um, go well, you know. There are things that happen, and I tried to read a story. If you want to look on things online, go to timstasserax.com and look up Jane Six. I tried to read them, but I am too drunk and difficult. To, to read things off my own Flavin you know does anybody know what Flavin is you know like okay do you want to do you want to jump yeah you're a first comedian I actually before she was comedian I knew her as an author and so yeah no it, absolutely and then I was like oh boy she's comedian too how very exciting so you guys are in for a treat. Put your hands together for Leo Gold. Yay! Thank you, Cam Benjamin. Thank you, Mutiny Radio. 
People are currently shooting up in the bathroom. Just kidding, cops. People are currently shooting up in the bathroom, but we all know not to eat sunflower seeds in here because <laughs> there's a sign telling us. Um, I am going to read. What am I going to read? I'm going to read some flash fiction that's been published. <laughs> Pay attention, folks. I got a, you got a subtle mind. You got two big tits and a subtle mind in front of you right now, or you're listening on the radio to the same. This is called Bed and Breakfast. It's from Body Parts magazine. Mastication aroused him, sending shivers to both obvious and less obvious points of arrival. Chew on this, said the journalist, her tongue attaching itself to his tonsils, her breath wetting his chin. She enjoyed eating before him. The crush of apples into a digestible slurry were a favorite of his, and she readily complied. Certainly stranger things had been desired of her, but it did rankle on their weekend Cotswold getaways when she saw his attention drawn by roadside cud crunchers with multiple stomachs and cleft hooves who chewed without urgency or hesitation a passionless jawing that passed for peace. Give it up for that motherfucking short story. Next, I'm going to read to you from a journal entitled 100-Word Story. I'm going to let you draw your own conclusions about how many words are in the following story. It's called Pooling. His motley swim, swim club operation was hampered by all of the lightweights who refused to actually get in the water. They were, readily, they were ready enough to dive into a gluten-free pizza or a mango and peanut salad. He noted with mild disgust and mounting bemusement how, particularly among the seniors, once competitive club meets had become mere meet and greets, times for air kisses, the jovial prancing of fond acquaintanceship, cheap wine. To appease him, two of his octogenarian lovebirds held an underwater wedding, the mer-bride and mer-groom swaying amidst the seaweed, their overripe affection rippling toward the surface, then the sky. Oh, I mean, come on! Give it, give it up, give it up for that motherfucking short story! Um, one last one. It's a little bit. It's a little longer than a hundred words. It's called. It's called meeting, and it's from Rivet. And it was actually on a long list for a short list. In other words, it was honored. That's not a joke. Okay. Um, Voodoo had been a required class, something we all attended without really thinking about it. The lecturer tried to induce trance states unawares. We just thought he was boring. We were white and Quaker. The empty driveways and green backyards of rural Pennsylvania held us as we partied and studied, gesticulated, flirted, texted, tweeted, rested languidly, and danced. 
Our fears included rejection and failure, but didn't extend to zombification. A senior class trip to Haiti was batted about, but ska winning out over medicine men, at the last minute we chose Jamaica. The medicine man found us anyway. He called himself Albert. He batched us and dosed us. The these and thous of our ancestors appeared in our fevered dreams along with drum beats, hedgehog gods, masks. On day three tomorrow, the blondest and most alluring of us, homecoming queen, had our school allowed for one, had a seizure, the first of her life, and was flown home by her parents. The sound of the surf, so soothing at first, now terrified us. We began sleeping together in one bed, holding one another close like frightened children. Jenny Robbins claimed the second toe on her left foot was a third larger in size than before, and a few people, including her best friend, confirmed that this was true. That Thursday, three days before we were scheduled to depart, we held a meeting in the simple way of friends, a practice we'd rolled our eyes at for years. A consensus was reached quickly, and the next morning we were embarked for the Philadelphia airport. We were considered the most intelligent and responsible class the school had seen in years, and on that basis, our drug-induced hysteria was taken seriously by the administration, who sent an emissary to the religion teacher, requesting that his curriculum revert to the standard story of persecution and pacifism in England and the colonies. Due to boredom and the chiding of his wife and banking on the school's tradition of tolerance and openness, he had strayed, but now he capitulated and returned to dispassionately holding, force, holding forth about persecution, quietism, and the rest. At night, however, after his wife had retired for the evening, he would don the mask that he he would don the mask he had used in his opening Obeya lecture all by himself, out in the dark, alone. You guys are extremely patient. I love it. Nobody leave. I'm going to tell jokes now. <laughs> I, I tried to speed, speed that up for you, which is what I hear Dostoevsky would do at readings also. He'd just speed up his Russians. Let's get a move on. These bitches want their vodka. That's what he used to think to himself. Um, well, he'd actually think these crazy Jews. He was an anti-Semite. Dostoevsky hated Jews. Also a compulsive gambler. Do those things go together? I don't know. If you gamble, you go into debt. If you go into debt in certain cultures at certain times, you're going to have some resentment at the Jewish people. Um, has everybody been walking around watching the Jane Kim signs? Just tumbleweeds going down the empty streets of San Francisco to be heard from no more. That's one thing that's happening. What else did I see coming over here? I saw a sign, I kid you not, on Harrison that said, if your species, this was a helpfully illustrated sign, if your species makes a feces, be a doll and remove it all. Can I say, I have never so much wanted to take a shit on a street in San Francisco as and I might I still have a chance to do that on my way home 
because <laughs> that's the most fucking patronizing sign. I honestly don't even know what to say. I would be so irked if, I mean, whatever. If I was a longtime resident of this neighborhood, that would piss me off. I mean, I just walk through here once or twice a week. And um, even then, I wanted to defecate. If I could have figured out what stoop was associated with the tree it was tied on, all the better. See what I'm saying? Um, so you guys, yes, the Warriors are currently playing, which is why, they're you know, winning. they're... Okay, well, that is surprising. Can I just tell you, only in the East Bay, only in Oakland, California, the East Bay, would they name a professional basketball team for a yoga pose. No, but seriously though, you want proof that the Warriors are way too close to Berkeley for their own good? And do you guys know the expression, attacking the paint? No? It means playing a f basketball very aggressively. Instead of attacking the paint, if you watch really closely, you'll see that the Warriors, too close to Berkeley, because they ask the paint passive aggressive questions about its eating habits. They do. And you're, you're wondering, well, uh, in that case, uh, hello, why are they winning so much, Lael? Explain that to me. Well, I certainly will. Nothing, take it from this Berkeley resident, nothing throws someone off their game like the question, was that fennel locally grown? Um, what else can... Oh, damn. I like anything licorice flavored. Not to say I like it black, but I do. <laughs> I love black licorice. The longer, the better. The thicker. No, I'm sorry. I actually really do like, I don't mean to be you know, sexual innuendo aside, that is like one of my favorite candies. Um, I could tell you about varieties of it from different parts of the globe, but that's not what we're here for. We're here to laugh so hard we urinate on ourselves. Um, please collect that urine and dump it off near the sign that I mentioned earlier. Um, what else can I say to you guys? Uh, I, Jesus, I am currently dating a hipster. Give it up for me. Those are, I assume those are, I assume those are pity applause. I'm currently dating a hipster, which I have to say is very disorienting. It is. Like, I told my hipster boyfriend I was going to sleep with a woman. He didn't bat an eye. But then I told him his taste in music sucked, and he totally lost his shit. That actually happened. Um, no, but you know, I'm very appealing to hipsters. I'm basically the human equivalent of a vinyl record. They spread my legs, they blow off the dust, and I'm as good as new. They really like to play my B-side. That's what I'm telling you. Uh, no, I, you know, um, you know what? Hipsters are essentially what are they? They're basically connoisseurs of the undervalued. And you know, anybody can have maybe I don't know the first two seasons of Laverne and Shirley on VHS or the complete works of Hall and Oates, but Retro Bush—that's a collector's item. It is. Basically, what I'm saying is it's always 1985 down here. 
The first few times I told that joke, I said it was always 1975 down here because I thought that sounded extra bushy. But I was eight in 1975. So it was actually extra creepy. That's what it was. Um, you guys, uh, I will say uh, my boyfriend is 17 years younger than me, but do not call me a cougar. That term is so sexist. When I was his age, this is 100% true, when I was his age, I was with a man 27 years older than I was. And nobody called him a bobcat. They did call him a panther. But that's because he was one of the original Black Panthers. Um, <laughs> go back to the licorice jokes, lady. That's what I'm getting from over here. Any <laughs> anyway, uh, no, but you know what? It was interesting being with a guy so much younger than me, like, or being with him, because every time we have a fight, it's always a scramble to see who can call the authorities first, me to report elder abuse, or him to contact Child Protective Services. Okay, I guess I'll keep going. Um, and, oh, but you know what? I'm around a lot of millennials doing comedy, I am, and they are darling. They are, but, you know, they kind of think they invented everything. They do. Like, uh, I, thank you. I like about 60% of the millennials I know are very, they think they're startling me when they tell me that they're gender fluid or gender queer. Uh, hello, that is nothing new. I have been rocking a man bun since 1978. Not only that, I am actually a woman. Oh, thank you, I see that. I am actually a woman in a man's body. In a woman's body. I'm not just gender bending. I complete one entire rotation of the gender spiral. Give it up for me, a woman who doesn't know a red light when she sees it. Thank you so much. Yeah. Leo Gold doesn't give a fuck about the Warriors. Yeah. I don't, I don't either at this point, it's fine. No, that was beautiful, that was great. I, uh, I've, I also love young men. Uh, I no I I can never I have I have an MA I have an MA in um fiction and I have an MFA in poetry and I can never be I well no I can never be a, like a, a like a, a a professor because I will fuck all of my students like I will fuck Every single one of my students. Oh, we're supposed to wait 12 weeks before we fuck the student. Is that what we're supposed to? What I'm saying is that 27-year-old boys who love poetry are special gentlemen. And I'd like to be friends with them. So that's a thing. I have so many poems. I was trying to look up a poem while you were doing your set so I could be like, oh, I can remember my poem. Let's see if I can remember my poem from like verbatim. Let's see if I can remember it. Hi, it's Jonathan Watson. I was trying to remember a poem and I can't and I'm having trouble, but 
I I did this thing where I wrote seven line poems, and one of them was um, like you know when you try to remember. Okay, I, I'm a comedian. Fuck poetry. You know, there are well um, comedians or poets people actually listen to so it's, it's fun because I could remember a poem or I could say something funny yay <laughs> I'd rather talk about my third abortion and no uh, you know that's the thing is that like no no I've only had two abortions the third is just for comic effect the the thing is that who's had an abortion here? Anybody else had abortions? You yeah, you did the boy abortion. Very cute. You you paid six hundred dollars. I know it's really missing from your bank account. You feel really sad. It's really good. Uh, the best thing about abortions is you get this amazing thing called midazolam. It's a short-lived, fast-acting benzodiazepine. It's in the Tupam family. Does anyone love drugs as much as me? Clearly, nobody loves drugs as much as me. Like, I would have considered stop doing drugs so I could be a pharmacologist because, like, benzodiazepines, holy fuck. Yeah! Just me. No one else. Cool. Uh, but the, the most beautiful things about benzodiazepines is they give them to you while you're having an abortion. So... I'm there and my legs are on the stirrups and they're like, oh, some people talk. You know, during this procedure, some people don't talk. I said, has anybody ever told jokes? They're like, no, that's never happened before. I had a killer show, you guys. It was a bringer show, I left it there. It was hot. It was a hot show. Yeah, you're gonna go play. Don't hurt yourself. He's going to play skateboard hockey. Like, telling your boyfriend to not hurt yourself during skateboard hockey is like the dumbest thing. Don't hurt yourself. <laughs> no, don't hurt yourself. <laughs> so cute. No, he's 11 years my junior, so I can't fault him for anything. I'm like, oh, you're going to hurt yourself? Good, that's so cute. Like... You have 10 years to heal yourself before you cry alone in the dark. <laughs> Ouch. No, I fell on my face. I used to ride skateboards until I fell on my face. And then I lost a tooth. And then I realized that people treat you like you're a leper if you don't have teeth in your face. <laughs> I was like, motherfucking United States. <laughs> like... It's, it was four back from the front, but it was still far enough that I was a poor person and I am worth nothing. <laughs> I'm just, it sucks, right? Like, there's weird things in America. Like, you have to have all your teeth. <laughs> if you don't, if you don't have all your teeth in America, you're a pile of shit. You know what's up. You know what's up. I got my tooth back, you guys. I grew up as a rich white bitch. Yeah, so cool, I know. And then I left all of it because I'm a socialist 
And then I fell on my face on a skateboard and I lost my tooth. And then everybody treated me like I was a crack whore. <laughs> I was like, no, I have two master's degrees. I'm still as smart as I was. I just am missing a tooth. <laughs> it's like, there's no difference, friends. There are like so many differences. If you had any money, you would fill your fucking tooth. I'm like, I want to go to Greece. <laughs> you got four grand you get a tooth you go to greece what you want to do you want a tooth you want to gross greece you want a tooth you want a greece and then this and then you start listening to greece and you're like this summer loving happened so fast can i go to greece and get a new tooth for the same price of just maybe summer loving Happened so fast. <laughs> Mad boy. Crazy for me. Your next comedian, he's a crazy boy. Just put you up. Let's go crazy, right? What the fuck are we doing? Did the Warriors fucking win yet? What? Yes. Yes. Did they? Yes. Yay! Oh my god, it's done! Yes. They did it 4 0. That hasn't one, happened in for you. <sighs> so good. So happy. It's like we were all tired of watching LeBron cry with his bloody eye. Like, he looked like my dead cat. I was like, I just couldn't look at LeBron anymore. I was like, look at your eye. I was like, no! You just can't carry the team, can you? You know who can carry the team? Your next comedian. Put your hands together for Warhol Kaufman! I'm not really clear how much literature I'm supposed to do right now. Well, I'm slightly less drunk than Pam. So I'm going to just start in the middle and go for a while. I wrote a quantum memoir. So I got other stuff that's published, but this uh, apparently is not worth publishing. So I'm going to read it. Cool. My nigga called me from a hotel room straight tripping on how he lost 100 pounds. Made victim turn back around who's stacking now. I saw myself in every story and there I was. Anywhere I went. Microphone testing. Check again. Some die forgotten. Memories lost. Their bodies rotten. Still writing letters for a governor's pardon. Ain't loving no hardship. Some of your God and its ability to respond to the honest. Often a bit player in someone else's story. The old Chinese man who trampled Amy when she went on in Daisy's bike cast a spell the boy artist on hate street who flickered in broken phrases and spasm till a dollar came out which all seems so familiar lock your doors these motherfuckers ain't seeing me and got trampled at the crosswalk around the way recently the most disturbing to watch my own reflection we have this way of unnerving people Praise Allah, you got a couple hands, better raise them up Someday you won't say as much or have energy left to maintain a fuck We die without crashing and split How many options in any directions? I swear we passed through a spot too small for that fucking car and Made it to the other side, made a mistake And I'm gonna pay for it later The suspect tells me I took a driving hand Held it to the wheel and said we're gonna make it And we came through, Lighthawk taught us a spell You can try if you like, but we didn't use it We just decided, held on and went Sometimes you can feel the split Someday every 
vibration echoes in another stratosphere. At one point, I wondered, when would be the best era to return to? Ever, when did I first yearn for the birth of language? What memories must be tucked away under your medulla? Have you listened to the reptile in you? What does Sapiens say to Neanderthalensis? Until the day we disappear, villains are heroes. Villains are heroes. Who the devil made more? Got your eyes closed, looking for God on the floor. Blind Kobe, the spell is chaos. Manifesting randomness, for example, through numbers 07, 89, 09, 88, 04, 35. This one for my homies and fellow strangers as follows. In no particular order, granular, material, strung theory. 9 billion, 10,004, 199, 7 trillion, 26. Ideas thick stacked on top of one another and strung together. Fluid bonded like a string of blowjobs and interstate rest stops along highways across the continent of North America, introducing our cast and then some. These are no preem even diners and mad cavalry stirring awake, cauterized into experience. The Bobcat is a blonde dreaded Mexican who lies. 80-something-year-old boobs McGillicuddy helicopters paramedics out to her shutdown brothel hotel for fun. By the way, I've never spent a night in jail, so I start with Alcatraz anyhow. That's not true anymore. Some of the comedians left town, New York, Los Angeles. Bones the blues man lost a family when he went to play his horn in Amsterdam. Conrad could never find his eye and blind Kobe wanders. The insomniac appears from time to time. We listen to pineapple liberation in the hours before dawn. Spat rhymes across porches under twilight. There's a hole over London. World War II was no joke and none of them are Jewish. They're all Russian, but they say they're Jews. My neighbor got her knee melted to the sidewalk. Victor's gone and he has cancer, but he's fighting it. The bird man is gangster. Baby killer, the little dyke EMT, but I've seen EMTs do shit in the street you wouldn't believe, or maybe you would. I met Baby Teeth at this party in Portland where some chick wanted me to rhyme about doing her. Every so often, you gotta get nasty. Scatter blow on a kitchen table, favors bought off a smile or a fuck. Flavors of betrayal from a girl whisperer. I, this, it goes on and on. I don't know. How much, what are we, how much time? You guys wanna hear some lighthearted jokes? Some jokes? I wrote a couple of jokes. Texas is number one in hot car infant deaths. Most of my jokes are just facts. It's weird being black in America. We don't get invited to auctions anymore. Used to get all the invites. I liked your set. The good thing about race wars is at least you know who your team is. I like white people because white people know everything except how racist they are. The good thing about white supremacists is at least they're white, you know. So that's nice, I assume. I think Nickelodeon is responsible for my bukake fetish. You know, it's funny. People used to hate my sex material till I put it after all the white supremacy material. Now they love it. It's weird. It's crazy. Uh, so Cosby went to court for drugging 54 women. They found him guilty. But in his defense, they weren't supposed to remember. 54... 54 women. That's an that's too yeah, no, that's me too many. That's enough for an entire basketball tournament. And I would I would buy tickets. I would watch that. 
It could it could be for charity, you know. It's not enough for alternates, but in the Cosby League, no one gets to rest. So, <laughs> just don't. I hope Bono never assaulted anyone. Hashtag you too. <laughs> Retail jokes. It's fun. You know what I used to love as a kid? Getting my dick sucked. I'm not gay. The way I know I'm not gay is every time I have sex with men, I don't enjoy it. For real though, if you are being sexually harassed, bring mace. Because Puff Daddy will not help you. (laughs) You guys, I'm in love with Keanu Reeves. I think, I think he could be the one. I'm pretty sure if I was born cognitively disabled, my mother would have drowned me. I grew up Catholic, you know, I was an altar boy. Everything you heard is true. We ring the bells. We light the candles. Every morning, my lady goes to this coffee shop and orders an ice white mocha with no whip. And I feel like that's how my ancestors would have wanted their coffee on the plantation. (laughs) Across the street, there's this chapel called St. Kevin's and I, I was curious. I was like, what's Kevin been up to? So I looked it up, and I guess apparently he's most famous because this woman wanted to seduce him, so he drowned her. And they built him a church. And I feel like Mary was in on it because I saw her statue in the courtyard, and she looked really smug. like She looked like she knew something. It's the Bernal Heights... Martha's, and of course, St. Kevin's, where we totally did not run over any kids trying to park on that hill, so don't look for stains. It would be (laughs) pointless. It's not broad church, fellas. um, I'm feeling like I don't need to look for a place to hang myself on the ceiling. This this set is going okay. (laughs) Usually during my sets, when it's not going well, that's what I do. Obviously, that's where, I mean, that's this kind of the, mm. even if it falls, probably it'll be electrical. It's just, we don't have enough. (laughs) We've suicide watch. Oh my God. So, okay. I love this. I love this room. This is a room where you can try out material. I tried out a joke one time that I was too scared to do. Actually, several times jokes I've been too scared to do anywhere. One of them was, um, you know, I'm not against the troops, but a war that's fought for oil against, you know, I'm not against the troops, but recruiting children from high school, poor children, I'm not against the troops, but this drone bombing that's just totally, you know what, fuck the troops. That was one of them. Another one was, um, you know, I'm 34 years old and I have statutory memories Like I could tell you right now what a 14 year old girl's pussy tastes like, you know? You know what I mean? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Uh, Let's do some crowd work. What's your favorite genocide of all the genocides if you had to pick one? What's your favorite? Holocaust, that's a good genocide. Solid, a lot of footage, it's helpful. Um, I saw, apparently on Netflix, there was a, a documentary about Rachel Dolezal. 
everyone's so upset about her ethnic confusion that they uh, completely ignore the fact that she abuses children. So, like, if you really, if you need a hurt a kid, I think, um, abuse a black baby today. Abuse a black baby. Uncle Sam wants you to abuse a black baby today. You can do whatever you want. No one cares. You can drive him off a cliff. You could starve him. You could give him a toy gun and shoot him. You could do whatever you want. Abuse a black baby today. Do yourself a favor. inspiring um am i in blackface i'm like <laughs> recently i've been concerned like maybe i'm in blackface and no one told me is that what's happening um i had i had a bit i i haven't tried out that i was gonna i was gonna try to work out i'm trying to remember it. okay let's let's find it let's close let's close week shall we <laughs> yes we love this mm. Oh, uh, the Ralph Trayvon. That's a good one. We used to have better gays. Al Jolson. Wow. Al I have an Al Jolson bit. Um, all right, let's just do this. So, like, I was, I was trying to do some shit on my computer. I was trying to do some shit, and then the signal got broken because I'm I'm poor and it's Metro PCS and it's so then you know sometimes it says refresh right but this time I did an upgrade and it said try again that really pissed me off dude I got so I got so upset try again first of all I'm not the one who like try again you at least could say refresh really you should say sorry I failed you Yay! The world has clearly failed. Moral <laughs> Kaufman. I, I was trying to listen to the end of your set, but I was looking at the jokes that I wanted to talk about. Uh, one of them was something I wrote down earlier today. It says, Salesforce Tower is lame. Biggest... Uh, okay, so here's the thing about the Salesforce Tower. They've got the biggest LED lights and they didn't put anything up about the lake. I mean, about the Lakers. I'm a dick. About the Warriors. They didn't, the, they have a, this tower and they didn't on the fifth say vote now. Like they have the biggest LED thing and they're like, oh, look, it's people walking with the cars and they're walking by. You don't fight. You have the biggest LED thing and you don't put vote now or go Warriors or give muni radio money what is the fuck is wrong with you people you've got the biggest led light show in the whole universe and you show nothing what it's just it's just for the future i get it it's fine it's for the uh, i have another oh this is another joke i wrote down oh my gosh you guys you know what starts on the 14th world cup None of you care about the World Cup? None of you want to drink at 5 a.m. on a Thursday? What is wrong with you? You know what the beauty is about World Cup? We get to drink when World Cup is on. Yeah, it, this year it's in Russia. 
which means here the first game is at 5 a.m. Do you know how many bars are letting people drink at 5 a.m.? The bars I'm going to, motherfuckers. Yeah! I'm really excited. So the, my favorite thing is, is that Iceland this year is part of the World Cup. And one of my favorite stars of all time, Bjork, is going to be doing World Cup commentary, right? Iceland is playing. Argentina for the first time. Here's the thing. As Bjork, I know, I speak 11 languages. So it's so great because I can speak for all. They will keep. <laughs> Do you know? It's a, some say, who is Bjork? Is she a real person who still is? Not nobody knows who Bjork is. I say, Iceland this year. The, the, the power bear only steps in the same river, France. Don't let poets lie to you. <laughs> Bjork, it's going to be a great World Cup. <laughs> Your next comedian, he's written books. He is, he, the, follow his life journey. It's gonna be, do you wanna be a, do you wanna know how to live your life? Follow this guy, he's got a book. Yeah, he's got a book. Hey, you guys are gonna love him. Everybody put your hands together for Jawan Rubin, yay! Yeah, this is seriously happening. Give it up one more time for Jawan Rubin, please. I am the man with the plan, but I'm not that great at really. So I'm nothing compared to all of you collectively, right? If all of you were on one accord about one thing, you're way stronger than any other man in the entire world. And that's a beautiful thing. It's a very beautiful thing. So anyway, um, <laughs> The reason I wear a suit most of the time is because it's police repellent. <laughs> it's like a Jedi mind trick from Star Wars. I am not the Negro you're looking for. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're, you're not the Negro I'm looking for. Uh, get out of here, man, get out of here. I'm looking for a 6'3 black man that kind of looks like Kobe Bryant. It can't be you. It can't be you. You look like you could do my taxes on my 401k. Can't be you. There are some drawbacks from wearing a, a suit, though, because sometimes I'm on the BART. I guess people assume that I have money or something, which I don't really have that much money. And this one guy comes on BART, and he looks at me, and then he looks away, and he says, I don't care who you are. I do me. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm sitting there just like, is he talking to me or something like that? So I came up with a strategy. Whenever, whenever I, I feel that energy coming, I just try to act crazier than the person that's sitting next to me. So I just sit there like, Michael Jackson was a Puerto Rican. I don't know. <laughs> clap, clap up for that one. 
Um, yeah, so I stopped drinking uh, recently. And um, you know how they say alcohol dulls your senses, right? And I didn't notice that until I went to the club for the first time sober. Seriously, I went up to the DJ and I was like, hey, it's a little loud. It's a little loud. Can you turn it down a little bit? It's a little loud. What'd you say? Uh, what? You want me to play a record? No, no, it's just a little loud. It's a little loud. You want me to play turn down for what? No, 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 it's just a little loud. A little loud? Can you turn it down a little bit? It's a little loud. Okay. So I really didn't know what to expect when I got here. Uh, Pam said she's looking for people who uh, are um, published authors, and I am a published author, self-published. Oh, okay. The, the times I don't tell a joke. Good job. Okay, so, um, yeah, so I'm um, self-published, and I thought maybe we were just going to come and, like, do, like, a round table or something, but I didn't know I was actually going to do, like, comedy. So I didn't really have anything prepared. Those were just some, like, throwaway jokes that I, I threw out, and you guys kind of liked them, and I'm kind of working on them, and they're not tightened up at all. However, I do want to read chapter one of uh, me book, if you guys don't mind, Okay. So my book is uh, basically the, manif the, the manifestation of the human being. That's not the name of it, but that's basically what it's about. And what happened was when I was 25, uh, I, I got really um, depressed. And um, this started as a suicide note. And then I wrote a chapter. Then I wrote another chapter. Then I wrote like two more chapters. And I started feeling better. I was like, oh, I'll, I'll stay alive, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of sad, I guess. All right. Chapter one. So the name of the book is called In the Event That I Perish. Chapter one is also called In the Event That I Perish. We're all in a cave, chained together, staring at a wall. Society places on that wall shadows of what is real through imagery, words, pictures, moving pictures, etc. We must all unshackle ourselves and walk out of the cave to see the true light of the world. Jada Bar. When I was 20, there was many signs. What is a sign? People have asked me this question in different capacities. Some regard or disregard signs distributed or attributed by God or a religion. I look at religion as a philosophy, not some exclusive club of people where the qualifications are a heartbeat, broken dreams and emotions. The characters that I'm referring to make up a mass of people whom are longing for acceptance from someone or something. When being part of this elite group, they focus on fitting in to this group and disregard the philosophy that the doctrine embodies. What is this, an enigma? What is a sign? What is the driving force, Star Wars, or God, most religions, that unifies all mankind and beings? including creepy, crawly things that we, according to Genesis of the Bible, have dominion over. Take, for instance, putting your playlist of music on random. Let's say you're sitting and thinking about Jimi Hendrix and his life, visualizing his death and where he may have been if he stayed alive. Coincidentally, one of Jimi Hendrix's songs plays next, randomly, out of the hundreds of thousands of songs you have in your playlist. The question is then, why? Why did that song play out of all the others? Was that a coincidence? Was it planned? But you're by yourself. How can you answer these questions? Enters religion, which at its very core is a philosophy. Philosophies are a way to answer the big questions of life. 
Outside of religion, there are many other philosophies. For instance, Buddhism has been mistaken for religion when the definition of religion negates the middle way, the core principle of Buddhism. Religion is defined as having a god or multiple gods, that is, his or their people worships. Buddhism has no gods. Buddha was a man who reached nirvana by way of complete meditation, temperance, and moderation. When we speak about Aristotle, he talks about the, na the rational and the irrational thought, which controls the spirit, which are the emotions, which in turn controls the physical appetites. Using rational thought, mankind should understand that anything can be bad for the body in excess, i.e., drinking too much water can be harmful. However, by using temperance, we can control how our bodies operate. The key, world, the key word here is control, which takes us back to religion, where Christianity states that the flesh is weak, and Buddhism that speaks of the middle way, where temperance dominates. No one should be too mad nor too happy. There is no heaven and no hell. No one should be too full nor too hungry, too anything nor too nothing. Finding the mean between two extremities takes willpower and mental strength. The combination of two is your spirit. Quote, unquote, the force blinds us and penetrates us, binds us. You guys seen Star Wars. There is a script that has already been written of, about our life and our experiences are the scene by scene of our own one act. The world is a stage and we're mere players and characters, links and buttons on a web of lies and disbelief. So if you saw this text coming, you didn't ignore the signs. You just did not dwell on it. Obsession is a young man's game. The Prestige. You guys seen that movie, The Prestige? What the flesh wants is stress. Our brain wants no part of the body's addiction to extreme emotional drama and anxiety. So we leave this, uh, these emotions alone. Back to my sign. I fell asleep in my economics class. When I woke, a, a classmate asked the professor. So it's like regurgitation. I ignore why I woke up at that moment. Later that night, my roommate brings two girls over to our apartment enters a poem called The Deadliest Disease. This is a poem called The Deadliest Disease. Gazing into that pink eye, this created wars and controls men, that pink eye, contagious to sexual friends. We love that eye, even without reciprocal affection, but infatuation is a given, that pink eye, robust to touch, yet it still sees past what any man can comprehend. Men still stop and listen. That pink eye is not pink eye at all, nor is it what you think, nor is it him, nor is it me, but it is the deadliest disease. <laughs> so one of those girls was extremely drunk and passed out in the middle of the hallway. Something told me to put her in my bedroom, even though my roommate was telling me to, and, and or told me not to do it, and, I, and he insisted, not me. Writing is like giving your future self a note. Ignoring the regurgitation comment from earlier in the day, I placed the poor girl on my bed in order to let her sleep off her alcohol consumption. Needless to say, the poor girl regurgitated on my bed. Coincidence is God's way of staying anonymous, Albert Einstein. What is a sign? Since that night, I do not ignore any coincidences. I do not take for granted having trouble with compro uh, compromising and negotiating and my friend give me a book title, Getting to Yes. All in all, 
Whatever is your belief or disbelief, you're correct. Everything is everything and nothing is nothing. Time passes again and again. Take time to develop your own opinion through study. Formal education will make you a good living, but self-education will make you a fortune. Decisions lie in information. Fitting in only lasts as long as the people you're fitting in with don't change or stay the same. And change is the only constant in life. When I was 20, I saw the number 25 everywhere, or at least that is what I believe I saw. 2005 was one of the worst years of my life. This is when I wrote the poem, 10 Seconds of Freedom. At the edge of this cliff, I gaze at my demise, staring over this, this ledge with a drop of 30 miles. Visualizing the great fall and its precaution, suddenly death whisks away me being nauseous. Is it heaven? A gas full of fresh air? I dive into a pool of nothingness, dropping, 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 falling, falling, falling. My velocity seems to be speeding up now. That's my heart pounding as if in love with this drop. Expectations and goals, I see them fly by. I wave goodbye to each as they fly by. Loving this freedom, I'm free now. Set me free now. Keep going down, down, down. Death opens his arms as if I'm his son. And I glide past the world and embrace him. I felt that when I turned 25, something of great significance would happen. Being the pessimist that I was, I thought this age would be the end of my life. My reign of my own dom domain would be over. Now that I am 25, let me write this to you. Death opens his arms as if I am his son, and I glide past the world and embrace him. Thank you guys for being a good audience. That's chapter one of In the Event That I Perish. Go to juanrubin.com, uh, click on In the Event That I Perish, and you can download um, uh, that, uh, my manuscript for $5. Thank you. Juan Rubin, in the event that I perish. Look it up. Be excited. Fuck yeah. Poems. I know. I have. I have so many poems. And I wish I could remember one right now. How many poems? No, remember? I used to go to 16th Mission and I'd be like, blah. And then I'd say funny things. I have all of these seven line poems that I did. One was... I remember the beginning, it was, um, it went something, it was 13 blocks and seven wide, your feet won't darken the doorway. I'll keep praying, hoping not to brave the rain. Your doorbell's been broken for years. But there was, uh, there was a whole situation. It was, um, it went, I don't know, something 13 blocks and seven wide. I know I'm a dick. And we're like, and we're like, comedians, be funny, be funny. Why can't you be funny? My cat died last week. I can't be funny. Sorry, my cat did die last week. I get a, I get a, I get a bravery point, you know. Like, I've been. <laughs> your next comedian. <laughs> he gets bravery points too. He know he used to be a big comedian, and it was years, and then he disappeared. You disappeared for like two and a half years. What the fuck? Where did you go? I, I hopefully to Greece. Everybody, put your hands together for John Pitsley! Yay!
It's alright, thank you. Um, my name's John. Um, <clears throat> I'm a <clears throat> alcoholic. Uh, oh, fuck. Um, sorry, I uh, forgot what meeting I was at. Um, but yes, as Pam said, uh, I used to do stand-up. Um, and I recently decided to get back into it because um, I suddenly remembered how much I fucking hate myself. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, I forgot how much I fucking miss this shit. Um, not comedy necessarily, just talking into a microphone about shit that I think I have down and that other people will find funny and then slowly realizing that neither is the case. Um, but one thing that I do not miss is how much male comics talk about jerking off. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's just something about pleasuring yourself till climax in your shitty apartment by yourself that just seems like it ought to be um, kind of a private matter, you know? Like, um, nobody really needs to hear about what or how you jerk off, you know? Like, if somebody, somebody needs tips on how to masturbate, then they're probably mentally disabled. Um, and I know helping um, the handicapped is a nice thing to do, but helping a mentally handicapped person jerk off sounds like it's a little bit more on the taking advantage side than it is the helping side, you know? Um, yeah. Anyways, you guys seem like a supportive crowd. Um, so I figured I'd let you know that I've been dealing with a lot of depression lately. Oh, I don't need your fucking pity. Thank you. Um, I get enough of that from your mother. Well, when she puts a ball gag in my mouth and puts a princess crown on me, and parades me around the basement. <laughs> don't leave. Oh. Tell her I said what's up. Um, but yeah, I've noticed um, a lot of people with high IQs tend to say that it's because I'm a lazy piece of shit that uh, really hasn't done anything with his life. Um, but I'd prefer to think that it's because other people are just bumming out my good time. Um, and one thing that kind of bums me out are uh, pedophiles um, and hopefully that goes for all of you um, and if not then hopefully you're either seeking help or are castrated um, but one thing that bums me out just about as much as pedophiles are people that are shocked when they find out that someone else is a pedophile um, just as much probably isn't the right phrase, but, um, I don't know. It's kind of disappointing when somebody's shocked by the, by that. I mean, it's certainly disappointing 
to learn when somebody uh, who we as a society have decided to trust with our youth has decided to take advantage of them. But um, it's really not that surprising anymore, you know? Um, should you read your work? No, should I? <laughs> Is that what you're saying? Um, Oh, yeah, you want to hear some shit that was published? Well, so, um, all right, so that's kind of why I left stand-up was to write for this website, Street Carnage. Um, wow. About, so this is uh, Rise of the Beer Snob. Um, okay. Um, I hate to sound like an old man, but what's with people and all the fancy beers these days? Um, I remember when bringing a 12-pack of Miller High Life over to a buddy's house was a good call. Now you get scoffed at by other men for bringing a 12-er of Sierra over. When did this happen? Beer used to be a man's drink, something you'd have while working on a car, watching a football game, or just drinking to get a good buzz on. Now it seems like the top, top choice of wine connoisseurs while slumming it. Whether you're in a bar or at a party, there's always some dweeb discussing the ABV and hoppiness of some new brew with another asshole. It's enough to make you want to drink yourself into a coma. I can appreciate a good beer as much as the next guy, but this new breed of beer drinkers is taking it too far. The problem really presents itself at bars. I can't tell you how many times I've been stuck behind some dingus who can't make up his mind about what type of beer he's gonna drink. A bartender should be relieved when someone orders a beer. All they need to do is open a bottle or grab a glass and pour. They shouldn't have to be shaking their head and saying, let me know when you're ready, or answering your questions about how it feels on your palate. A bar isn't the time to be experimenting. If you can't make up your mind between the four IPAs and three Hefeweizens on tap, then just order one of the bottles or cans on display behind the bar. A man shouldn't take longer ordering his beer than a woman takes getting a fun cocktail. It's bad enough waiting in line at the bar while some doofus wearing Google glasses peruses the beer list. But listening to two assholes discuss the IBUs and fruity components of fermented hops is infuriating. It makes Fraser and Niles Crane sound like two mechanics from Jersey. You're drinking beer, not wine, tasting at a vineyard. Just drink it and shut up or talk about anything other than the beer you're drinking. I'm not saying I don't like these new popular beers. I do. But nursing an IPA and talking about how it was brewed isn't my idea of fun. I'd rather pound piss water and talk about tits. I understand and agree these new popular beers are of higher quality. They taste better and get you drunk quicker, but you don't have to fag out over them. Beer isn't supposed to be a high-end form of getting fucked up. It's swill for the masses. The worst is that these assholes try to make you seem like less of a dude for not being queer for beer. It, it takes a certain type of asshole to make beer sound gay, but only a raving lunatic would attempt to emasculate another man for not lining up to blow the head brewmaster of a craft brewery. I love beer. I drink a million gallons of it a week. I just don't want to sound like some horny middle-aged housewife discussing her favorite parts of chocolat. I'm grateful that the popularity in microbrewing has led to higher quality beers being brewed on a commercial level, but the snobbery that comes with it has reached astronomical levels. If you thought foodies were annoying, try enjoying a shot of gym and a bud next to two beer queens discussing their favorite craft brewery or seasonal ale. 
It's beer for fuck's sakes. Just drink it and soon it won't matter what the fuck it is. Beer used to facilitate a conversation. It wasn't the focus of it. I don't care about the ABV, IBUs, or whatever the fuck. I just want to drink it and be stupid. Uh, that is all. Thank you. <clears throat> if you want to read <clears throat> any of my new stuff, uh, you can find it at readpublichouse.com. Uh, thanks. Joe Bitsley, everyone, at read.com. That was rad. He's like, fuck those guys with their weirdo shitbox. I mean, who knows? Who knows how it works? Your next comedian, he's from Los Angeles. That means he's a real motherfucking comedian. We are pointless and dumb, and he is the future. No, he's above all of us. What are we doing here in San Francisco? Oh, we're doing up my moves talking about shit. He's not, he probably has a fucking agent. Do you have an agent? I bet you have an agent. You don't have an agent? Almost, almost. Everybody put your hands together for Mike Menendez. Yay! Oh, you didn't fuck my name up. That was the one cool thing you said was my actual name. Way to go. I'm from Miami, man. I just live in Los Angeles. What is it with you guys, dude? Some of us are good out there. Fuck. Let me just read the bullshit I wrote before I start my set. So I work for uh, Tyler, the creator's golf media app. What the fuck is this place, by the way? I, uh, I, I came here last time. It wasn't this weird last time. What the fuck happened? All right, let's do it. So I work for Tyler, the creator. I don't know if you guys know him. He's a rapper. He's, he's good, really good. So most of his, uh, his fans are like 13 to 21 range. Uh, so this is a piece I wrote from the vantage point of a, uh, a baby that belongs to a teen mother. All right, here we go. Goo ga ga. You went raw. Congratulations. You made me and you're only 16 years old. Babies making babies. Wow, guess what? Your, my life beginning means your life is over. Get ready. I'm going to make this really difficult for you because I'm not your friend. I'm your baby. You like magic tricks? Because I do this great trick where I produce more shit than my, than my body appears to hold. And sometimes it comes out green. Ta-da, bitch. You're going to give me food that you want me to eat, but I won't eat it because I don't understand that without food, I'll die. <laughs> I hope my mother wasn't hoping to see her breasts that they're most beautiful in their early 20s because I'm sucking all potential from them. <laughs> yeah, well, that's not in there, but I just added that. No, you can't buy a skateboard because we need to spend $500 for a doctor to tell us, yep, that's a baby. <laughs> oh, you want to watch the Lakers game tonight? Nah. Put on that Teletubbies tape I've seen 50 times. My memory is weak and every time is like the first. You wanna have sex with each other? Good luck while I'm screaming like a dead deer lives in my face. Ta-da, another magic trick. Hit my back so I can burp on your shoulder and fart on your lap. Say hello to me and say goodbye to sleep, to dreams, to friends, to feeling the sun, to beer and burritos, movies and music, and say goodbye to your identity as a person. You're no longer Steve. You're my dad. You're no longer Stephanie. You're my mom. 
16 is not old enough to go to war, and I am worse than a fucking war because you can't kill me. My first word is either going to be shit because that's the word I hear the most or it's going to be mom. But when I say it, I will be looking at my grandmother. <laughs> so once again, congratulations. You went raw. Now turn on that fucking wheel. All right, let's do some comedy, man. You mind if I, you mind if I use this? The, the stool? Do you mind if I use the stool? Work on some shit. All right, I'm trying to dress better. I think I nailed it tonight. I, uh, you know, you need, you need a fat. You okay, man? Are you, are you good? Cool. All right. Um, so, oh, damn. You guys don't know how cold LA is. This ain't shit to me, bro. That shit is cold. You guys are nice. All right, let's do some jokes. Yeah, I'm trying to dress better. I think I nailed it. I, you know, you just you, you need an embarrassing moment to change. That's really what you need. Um, I was at a party recently, and a packed house party, and everyone was dressed immaculately. And there was a dog at this house party wearing a sweater. And I was wearing the exact same sweater as that dog. <laughs> and everyone knew it was fucked up. The dog knew it was fucked up. He did, he did the what the fuck, the dog, th this? <laughs> so naturally, we both couldn't stay at that party. Turns out it was his party, one of those Hollywood dogs, so I had to leave. <laughs> silly as fuck. Get ready for some silly ass shit. I'm serious. I'm living the bachelor life right now. I live with uh, two roommates, Mark and Eric. We're all single, and we're doing pretty well as men. <laughs> Last month, we slept with a combined eight women. And that is because Mark fucked eight women last month. <laughs> that guy's good. That's Mark spelled with a C, by the way, so you believe what I just told you. Because if you were like, Mark, oh, with a C? Yeah, eight, yeah. With a C. Ooh. See, I'm the perfect middle ground between my roommates because uh, Eric thinks the world is an ugly place and Mark, because uh, of all the ass, thinks it's a great place. And I think it's both. Call me deep. I really do think ugly and beauty can occupy the same space. I'll give you an example. I think the most beautiful sound that exists in the world is when Adele sings. I don't think there's a more beautiful sound than that. And the worst sound in the world is when Adele speaks. Has anyone, if you haven't heard an interview with her, I'll show you what I saw. Anderson Cooper asked her, when did you first get your big break? And Adele responded like this. Well, I was at a pub by myself minding my business. And a man came up and he said, I saw you last night, you got the voice of an angel. And I said, fuck off. <laughs> and he's still me manager today. No. Right. Oh, fuck. All right. Look, I don't, I don't like saying my political views on stage in case I want to make love to someone in the audience afterwards. But I, I will say this. I'm not a fan of gender neutral bathrooms. Yeah, I said it. I'm not afraid of you. And the reason is, is because I have always used women's bathrooms because they are much cleaner. And now men can napalm both with their stank. And I'm very upset. Yeah, I use women's bathrooms. Some people like Nickelback. This is my thing. If you've ever been a woman that's gone to a woman's bathroom and smelled it and thought, what woman left this odor? You're looking at her. You're looking at it right now. 
Berkeley, 2007. That was me. Yeah. You know, it's happened a few times. Uh, I'll come outside, and a woman will be very afraid. And she'll go, what are you doing in there? Men are not allowed in there. And I won't, I won't flinch. I'll look at her, and I'll go, well, I was a woman when I went in there, so it must be haunted. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm getting married in three days, and it looks like I have a mystery to solve. If you didn't like that, you're suffering from depression. You have my pity. You really do. Look, I understand, man. The world's on fire. I get it. It's 70% water, 100% fire. And maybe if we cry, like maybe if we all cry at the same time, we could put out the flames. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's not a joke. That's a poem I wrote. Was it good? Okay. Yeah, I'm really deep. I'm really deep. I'm a deep guy. I didn't want to do comedy, but, uh, you know, unattractive and poetry don't mix, so. I used to be unattractive. I'm doing good now. Uh, but I used to be that guy, man. I, like I, uh, there's a poem I wrote for a friend of mine that I was deeply in love with. I wrote, uh, if, I could, if I could possess all the flowers that have been, that are, and will ever be, it wouldn't express all the love I have for thee. So why wouldn't she be my toilet? That's that's what I'm trying to get. Like, why wouldn't she be my toilet? Come on, guys, it's just stupid. I'm sorry. You're not gonna want anything to miss that. I apologize. I'm from Miami. I'm Cuban, man. I'm just happy to be like. I mean, but I am deep. I'm a classically trained actor. That's why I sit like this. <laughs> this is how you know. And you know, sometimes uh. You know, I audition a lot, which is not true, but let's tell a joke. <laughs> I had to do a really intense crying scene for a Snapple commercial recently, and <laughs> I think a lot, of, a lot of actors, what they do is when they have to cry, they think on a horrible memory, and that helps them cry, and I do the same thing. If I have to cry in, a, in an audition, I always think back to another audition where I had to cry, and I could not, and that usually does it. <laughs> you know, the number one question I always get asked is, um, Mike, when you sit like this, aren't you crushing your scrotum? <laughs> and it's a great question. And the answer is yes. My scrotum is being crushed right now. I'm in so much pain. But why isn't it on my face? Acting. I just told you some inside shit. Anytime Robert De Niro does that in an interview. Oh, only one minute? Oh, what I wanted to work out. Mm. I wanted to work out something. Fuck. I didn't do it. No, 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 no. It's okay. I don't want to take more time. Your introduction was so good. I didn't want to. I could tell. Um, no, here, I'll just end with this. I just, like, guys, I get it, you know. 
you know, the world's horrible. That's uh, that's why I bought protection recently for my home. And I know you guys are probably anti-gun, but uh, you know, the war's coming. Clock up, bitch. You know what I mean? I uh, I bought a t-shirt cannon. I'm I'm defending my home with a t-shirt can. I was at a I was at a basketball game and uh, I was with my friend the upper deck and uh, you know my friend was like hey shoot it up here and I'm like there's no way he can get up here and sure enough the guy shot it and made it to the upper deck and I was surprised and I looked at that t-shirt cannon with a gaze that I've never given a lover and I, I looked at it and I was like I, I want you I said that I whispered that to the t-shirt cannon hundreds of feet I, I want you so I went online. Uh, eBay, $400, three-day shipping, no background check. So it's, so I'm just waiting now in my house. I'm waiting. I leave the door unlocked every night. If you come into my house, you, don't, you won't see furniture. You'll just see bloody T-shirts all over the floor. And the moment you're like, what? That's when I come out of the shadows butt naked with a T-shirt can. Completely naked. Shoot you around your face. And then you're on the ground in my fantasy. And I walk over to you and take a cigarette out of my ear that's strategically already lit as to not waste time. And I'll look at you and I'll say, don't bother trying it on. They never fit. <laughs> you got to have a plan. There's a lot of sick bastards out there. Uh, this was uh, a set. Thank you very much. Check it. Thank you guys for being here. That was really great. They're, they're, they, thank you so much, Mike Menendez. Yay! That was amazing. That was so great. We're all still here. It's so nice. Danny Coleman's here. Yeah. Here we are. We're all gonna... I, I had a joke off his last thing, but I got lost. We're all gonna be okay. I know the Warriors won, and we were waiting for the throngs of people to come. And... But just know that there are people that download us every week. So I, although it seems like no one is here, and what are we doing with our lives? I mean, look at <laughs> look at my buddy in the back. Um, sorry, David Zunzu, one of the ones and twos with this great hat. <sighs> Buy his cool boxes that you can put your uh, magic cards in. Do you, does anyone else play magic? Just me? Yeah, do you? Holy fuck. Our next, I knew you were cool. Our next comedian, she plays motherfucking magic. Put your hands together for Danny Coleman. What is up, guys? Those of you who are left, uh, I gotta be honest, this is the first time I've walked a room before even getting up on stage. So this is a new low, it's great. Um, so I'm gonna do something a little bit different. Uh, I, I am published, as is everyone here. Um, but my background is in comics, comic books. In fact, I, I was doing comics long before I ever got up and started telling jokes in public, which meant that for about seven years of my life, I have had to deal with some variation of this conversation. So Danny, what do you do? I write comics. You write jokes? No. <laughs> A year later, same people, by the way. Danny, what are you doing these days? I'm still writing comics. You're still writing jokes? <laughs> no. Apparently my career is a joke. That's the only joke we've got. Uh, 
Hi. So finally, you know, after being asked many, many times whether my chosen career was in fact writing jokes for complete strangers, I figured, well, if the shoe fits, and here I am. Um, so I didn't bring in a published comic book because this is radio and the book's got pictures. What I've got for you instead uh, is a script of an unpublished comic. You'll be the first ever to experience this work. Uh, and the premise of it is, you can applaud, it's cool, you can applaud. I will take your adulation. Thank you for validating my life choices, especially after seven years of those conversations. Um, so the premise of this comic book, it takes place in a world just slightly sideways from the one we know. And in this world, the US and the UK are on bad terms again. As a result, I know, shocking, isn't it? As a result, the US has agreed to give certain packages of land back to the UK. Parts of the US are now sovereign British soil. But in return, on the 4th of July every year, any US citizen may harm or kill any UK citizen on American soil without legal repercussion. Wow. It's basically the purge as filtered through Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead. So our story is called Home of the Brave, and our story follows five British citizens who get stuck in San Francisco. They miss the last boat out to Angel Island, which is sovereign British soil, and they have to spend the day escaping drunk, trigger-happy patriots to make it to the safety of the international terminal at San Francisco Airport. I'm going to read you a few passages from this script. Page one, panel one. The small marina at Fort Mason, in the middle of the night. The old military buildings are silhouetted against an inky blue sky. The masts of small sailing ships stick up into the night like skeletal trees. Behind the boats, the Golden Gate Bridge is a dark stamp against the starless blue. One small boat, white and mastless with an outboard motor, is at the end of a long wooden pier, churning the water behind it. Caption. July 3rd, 11.59 p.m. Caption, Fort Mason, San Francisco. Panel two, Jamie, mid-twenties with jet black hair and porcelain white skin peers anxiously around the side of the building nearest the pier. Jamie, I don't like it, it's too quiet. Panel three, behind Jamie, hidden in the shadow of the building are Cass, Adrian, Rob, and Mark. Cass is the leader, blonde, attractive with a hero type profile. Adrian is black, 30-something, with close-cropped hair and prominent ears. He's no bodybuilder, but you'd want him on your side in a fight. Mark is Cass's scrawny younger brother, the same blonde hair and basic features pinched and beaky on his smaller frame. Rob is the oldest of the group, early 50s, with thinning hair and protuberant front teeth. Rob, you think we were followed? Mark, nah, no way, couldn't have been. Adrian, Cass, what do you reckon? Panel four, Cass crouches, getting ready to run. Cass, only one way to find out. Panel five, Jamie grabs at Cass's arm. Jamie, Cass, no! Sound effects, bong. Cass, look, you hear that? If we aren't on that boat by the time these bells stop, we're finished, love, out of options. Panel six, this is the hero speech. With Cass visible and inspiring from the shoulders up and just enough of everyone else in 
in the panel to show that they're hanging desperate on his every word. Cass, yeah, we fucked up. We should have been on the island hours ago, but we still have one chance to make it out of here, and I know we're going to make it. I'll go first. Make sure they hold the boat. As soon as I'm clear, the four of you follow. Sound effects. Bong. Panel seven. This time it's Cass peering around the side of the building, towards the pier. He's focused, determined. Mark sticks his head out below him. Cass. Fast as you can. Don't look back, yeah? Mark. Oi, Cass. Cass. Yeah? Mark. Queen and country. Sound effects. Bong. Bong. <laughs> You're getting it. Panel eight. Reverse. Cass crouches, ready to run, and looks back at the others. There's a mischievous twinkle in his eye. Cass. Queen and bloody country. They make a break for it. Cass doesn't make it. They're pursued by rednecks with rifles and hipsters with antique glocks. And Google Glass, by the way. Yes, I wrote this in 2015, it's a little bit dated, but I hold to you. If Google had just waited long enough for us to de descend into a murderous dystopia in which people shoot other people and want to record it for posterity and upload to social media, Glass would have been a fucking hit. Just say it. Anyway, they make their way through San Francisco. All the landmarks we know and love are there. Uh, they go through the Ghirardelli Square, they cross Lombard Street, uh, and then pages 12 and 13. Panel one, Mark leans against the wall of a bar, catching his breath. Panel two, Mark stands up in shock as the bar doors open and a group of revelers spills out into the street. One turns back as he passes to wave genially at Mark. Reveler, reveler, happy 4th of July, buddy! Panel three. The back few revelers stop and stare at Mark as he tries out his best American accent. Mark, happy 4th of... Panel four. As if from nowhere, suddenly all the revelers have weapons and all of them are pointed at Mark. Mark. Bollocks. He runs through the Robert C. Levy Tunnel, dives into the San Francisco Bay. He loses his pursuers. They all meet again at Pier 39. Because it's San Francisco, why not? Um, they determine that they need to find a boat to get themselves out of there. They need fresh clothes for Mark, who is drenched. They need food, they need supplies, and they need it all now. So after they go on their respective missions to find the things they need, they return. Page 19. Panel 1. Over Mark's shoulder on Adrian, who is leaning on the boardwalk railing and looking out to sea. Adrian. Oh, you have got to be kidding. Panel 2. Full shot of Mark rounding the corner to the end of the pier. He looks like a souvenir shop threw up on him. San Francisco skyline hat, Alcatraz psycho ward hoodie, board shorts emblazoned all over with little cable cars, striped Alcatraz socks, and chucks with the Golden Gate Bridge printed on them. Mark, look, this ain't exactly Oxford Street, is it, mate? Panel three, over Mark's shoulder to Jamie, walking down the boardwalk towards Mark and Adrian with a 7-Eleven bag. Jamie, and the hats for what, a low profile? Panel four, Jamie passes Mark to stand by Adrian. Jamie, oh my God, look at you. Panel five, Adrian's temper is clearly fraying. Adrian, it doesn't matter. We'll be on a boat in a few minutes anyway. Right, Rob? Panel six, over Mark's shoulder to Rob, 
Now, also coming down the boardwalk, Rob, yeah, I've got good news and I've got bad news. Panel seven, close on Adrian. Adrian, go on. Panel eight, medium close on Rob. Rob, well, the only nearby boat we can nick without attracting too much attention will barely fit the four of us. Four of us almost certainly has a leak. Page 20, panel one, angle on Rob. I might have enough fuel to get us halfway out to Angel Island before we have to get out and swim. Adrian, and the good news? Angle on Rob, that is the good news. Back to Adrian, I see. And the bad news? Back to Rob. That you ought to come see for yourselves. Page 21, four tall panels. Panel one, low angle, looking up at Jamie. She's standing on the end of a pier, looking down at the water. Jamie, shit. Panel two, same angle on Adrian. Adrian, fuck. Panel three, same angle on Mark. His hand on his hip pulls up the edge of his hoodie so the words I heart SF are visible on the waistband of his boxer shorts. Mark, bollocks. Panel four, same angle on Rob. Rob, pretty much. Page 22, panel one. Bird's eye view of a little boat Barely big enough for four people with a sizable pool of water in the bottom. Curled up in the fetal position, fast asleep is a teenage girl. Blonde haired with a profusion of freckles. Her dark eye makeup is badly smudged and she wears a t-shirt emblazoned with an enormous Union Jack. Caption, July 4th. Caption, 2.01 a.m. Coming sometime from a publisher to a comic shop near you. Um, that story is very near and dear to my heart. I describe it as a British expat's love letter to San Francisco. Um, funny thing about me, a uh, little secret that I'm gonna reveal to you all right now. Uh, I am myself British. I know, I know. I've assimilated really well, um, it's, it's, difficult to know to look at me um but if you listen really carefully uh there are clues um no i'm actually i have dual nationality i'm i'm british american actually i have triple nationality british american australian oh yeah yeah my father's australian german my mother's british american my siblings and i have three passports each when we travel it's a clusterfuck um on paper it's great Three passports, I can go anywhere except North Korea or West Oakland. Um, in practice, it means that whichever passport I'm traveling with is the wrong one for the place I'm going. Um, and I found this out when I first tried to go to England on my American passport. It was the first time I had to fill out one of those little border control forms. You know, they ask you where you're going, how long you're staying, emergency contact, passport number, your occupation, your travel plans, etc., etc., etc. goods to declare. Um, and what I found out, and I never realized this before because before I'd always come in on the English passport, what I found out is that there's only one question on that form that actually matters, and that is occupation. You could be carrying five Peruvian pygmy goats with hepatitis C in your carry-on luggage. And border control doesn't care as long as neither you nor the goats is angling to steal a British job. That's it. So the first time I do this, I go through border control and he looks at my form and gives me a look, looks at my form, gives me a look and I realize, shit, I fucked this up. Why? Because what I had written in occupation was freelance writer. 
which in border control speak is code for indolent freeloader. It basically means don't have a job, would love one of yours. Um, he did let me in the country. I don't know why. Um, almost exactly a year later, I came back uh, visiting family. I go about the same time every year, which means I run into the same border con control agents each time. So I get the same guy. I'm like, what are the odds? Pretty good, actually. But this time I've moved up in the world. I have got a job teaching at a university. I am legit. So I handed my form. Occupation, teacher, the five Peruvian pygmy goats and my carry-on. <laughs> and he said, oh, teacher, what do you teach? And I go, writing. So I've graduated from being an indolent freeloader to training the next generation of indolent freeloaders. Third time's the charm. Again, a year later, I go back. This time, I have a brand new job. I'm doing e-discovery uh, for a firm here in San Francisco, and my job title is Information Retrieval Specialist. Doesn't mean a fucking thing, but I love the way it sounds. And we deal with legal documents, sometimes with government documents, which means I have to be very careful what I say. I can't talk about what I do. So there I am. Same border control agent. I actually picked him this time. They tried to put me in this queue. I was like, no, I want that guy. I go up, hand in my form, and he says, information retrieval specialist. What's that? And I said, I'm afraid I can't tell you. And he said, really? And I said, yeah, government business. And he says, really? He looks at my form. He looks at me. He looks at my form, looks at me. And suddenly it hits me, he thinks I'm a bloody spy. <laughs> he thinks I'm there on Her Majesty's Secret Service. So, for those of you keeping track, I have gone from indolent freeloader to teaching the next generation of indolent freeloader to Danny Coleman, International Woman of Mystery. And I think you will agree that is some very impressive career mobility. Thank you guys very much. Danny, Woman of Mystery! Your last comedian, he is so patient and what a, I mean, I've known this guy for like 10 years and he's the funniest person I've ever known. And so, no, it's true. I actually used to do a thing. I used to pretend I was you. I used to go to places and be like, you fucking, you will take Justin's scales and Put him in your heart and you will make it happen and you will entertain people now, motherfucker. But very quietly in my head, I know that you do it loudly. You guys are so lucky right now. You get an amazing human being. Everybody put your hands together for Justin Scales! I haven't done comedy for quite a while. I don't even remember those jokes. Mike, do you remember any of my jokes? Mike could probably do a few. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. You knew I was uh, <laughs> I actually didn't come to tell jokes. I wrote a memoir. Yay, you wrote a memoir. He's a real writer. Yay. Here's the book. It chronicles my adventures growing up in a teepee in Santa Barbara. There's the teepee. My mother read an article about this stuff called 
radon, which came out of your ceiling insulation and gave you cancer. And she was like, that's it, kids. We're moving outside. Houses are fucking poison. And that's what we did. And so I'm going to tell you some of the stories about that. The Goat Lady's Son and the Child Gladiators of Isla Vista. The Goat Lady's Son and the Child Warriors of... Something like that. (laughs) Just go on Amazon and put The Goat Lady's Son, I guess. The other part's more of a subtitle. Okay. 